Hi, welcome to the analysis.news. I'm Paul Jay. Uh, please don't forget there's a donate button and a subscribe button and a share button and uh, all the buttons. We'll be back in a few seconds to talk to Mikey Weinstein about growing Christian nationalist influence in the military and what he says is we're a, we're a micron away from civil war. We've just passed a few days ago, the annual or one year anniversary of the events on Capitol Hill of January 6th. And again, as I've been saying since that time, uh, while the media and to a large extent, members of Congress and uh, the punditry class focus on the day of January 6th, um, I think the actual real serious events took place in the lead up to January 6th. Uh, I won't get into that in detail now, but just to remind everybody, uh, 10 former uh, secretaries of defense uh, on January 4th published a letter in the Washington Post essentially warning the military to stay out of the uh, election results. This is just two days before Biden was supposed to be confirmed and Congress was stormed. On the same day, Admiral Stiverdos, who was the former Supreme commander of NATO and a senior executive in Carlyle Group, which is one of the largest private equity funds and a, a major investor in the military industrial complex. Uh, he wrote a, a column in Time magazine supporting the letter of the 10 former secretaries. So here you have a, an important personage of the military industrial complex warning the military to stay out of the election results. On the same day, the Financial Times had an editorial that ends with, as bizarre as this seems, there is a coup in progress. So this is, again, two days before January 6th. Uh, I think now it seems pretty clear that Trump's pressure on the governor of Georgia was one of the pieces of what was this attempted coup. He expected the governor to cave and, quote, go find him 15,000 more votes and Oddly enough, the governor didn't do it. Governor didn't do it. Uh, this is all a plan that General Flynn, Trump's ally, had talked about, about having this kind of a coup. Uh, this all begins far earlier in September, uh, uh, the year before. Uh, Steve Bannon, a couple of months before the elections, actually calls for a stop the, the steel campaign. This is before the elections even held. Ben is embarking. He announces this on Tucker Carlson. Two months before the election, Bannon announces in a he's beginning a cross-country tour to start to stop the steel campaign before there's been an election to steal. So this plot, a plan, is, is clearly in place. And, and the other thing that's pretty clear uh, is as we get to January 4th, the... Uh, senior military leadership, uh, including, of course, Milley, who's the uh, chair of the Joint Chiefs, they are aware of this and they stop it. They, they issue uh, statements in support of these defense secretaries. They make it clear. And I think by the, by the time the six rolls around, the, uh, it's pretty clear that the uh, military is not going to intervene, at least from what I can glean. Uh, but Trump and et al. go ahead with the January 6th events. Um, and by this time, I think not only has the military, most senior military leadership, and, but also the, the preponderance of the elites 
of the corporate elites. They want Trump gone. Uh, they were they love Trump for four years. They got their tax cuts. They got their deregulation, but they did not like the disruption to the political process. Uh, it's not good for business. And and one hour after the doors of Congress are breached, the doors are breached at uh, two o four, two ten, I should say. I'm sorry, at three o four, the Association of American Manufacturers. Uh, issues a statement, a press release, calling on Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment and to remove Trump. Well, this is one of the most important uh, organizations that represents the largest corporations of America. Why? Well, because what was going on wasn't good for business. But they were all quite happy to, to have Trump in office uh, while he was during his presidency. But, but the question I don't think that's being asked enough, and uh, my next guest and I talked about this once, but we, we know a lot more now, uh, is why were they so afraid of a coup in progress? If the senior military leadership, the Joint Chiefs, uh, if even the corporate America on the whole, not all, but on the whole, had decided it was time for Trump to go, how is it there's such a serious threat uh, as we lead up to the January 6th confirmation by Pence of Biden. And now to discuss and answer, help us answer that question is Mikey Weinstein. Mikey is the founder and president of the seven-time Nobel Peace Prize-nominated Military Religious Freedom Foundation. Uh, they fight for members of the armed services that believe they are being essentially persecuted uh, denied their freedom of conscience, their freedom to choose religion, by very hardcore, uh, mostly Christian nationalists, but not only, uh, recruitment techniques and otherwise, that are putting pressure on them to uh, lock, lockstep join in with this Christian nationalist surge in the military. Uh, Mikey was named one of the 100 most influential people in the U.S. defense by Defense News, Mikey represents nearly 77,000 now active retired reserve service members. He's a former United States Air Force Academy honor graduate himself. And many years ago, he worked in the West Wing as legal counsel in the Reagan White House. Thanks very much for joining me. Appreciate it very much. Thank you, Paul. So answer the question. Uh, you know, it, it can't be 2,000 people, if whatever, that march up to Congress that are such a threat on January 6th that you have such statements coming out of these senior military and political leaders. So why did they really fear uh, there was a serious attempted coup in progress? I should have added the Financial Times on January 4th had an editorial where they said a coup's in progress. I think it's important to remember, and I think that uh, the January 6th commission will bring all this out. This wasn't planned 48 hours in advance. As you mentioned, you had Bannon right after the election arguing, stop the steal, stop the steal. Before the election. Oh, before the election, right. Two months before the election. Right. There's a great movie out now called Don't Look Up. I'm not sure if you've heard about it. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah it's a great movie. But in many respects, it's a uh, an analogy uh, uh, of, of the concept of make America great again. Uh, the, the, you, know, you come up with a, 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 an easy little phrase to understand where things are and um, uh, the concept of fake news. If you don't like something you don't hear, and remember, we have the First Amendment. Well, hang on, let me just quickly, for people that don't know the movie, Yes, scientists are saying there's an asteroid on its way to smash into the Earth, it'll be, and it'll be the end of the planet. 
and the and the president, who's a female Trump type, uh, her her answer to an asteroid company and coming is don't look up. <laughs> right, because it's just um, the concept of it's a very clipped concept. If you don't if you don't like something, it's fake news. Uh, as everybody you know, everybody believes in free speech until they hear something that they don't like. Um, this has been going on for a very very long time. Um, I believe that uh, uh, you know we've been been prophesizing about this since the early 2000s when we started. You have to also understand what Christian nationalism is. In the last 24 to 48 hours, there have been a lot of articles that have come out calling it, talking about Christian nationalism. Most people do not know what that means or what it's about, but this was something that has been spurred on. Uh, it was the fuel for, for, for Trump from the very early on. And it's the, it, this, there's a very large group of people in this country um, that really do not like the fact they hate democracy. They do not like the constitution. What they want is a uh, basically a theocratic state based on Christian fundamentalism. And, and let, me, let me make it clear of the 77,000 plus people we, we represent, about 95% of these sailors, soldiers, Marines and airmen, guardians for the Space Force, uh, Coast Guard, Coast Guardsmen, OTS, OCS, Academy, you know, ROTC, cadets and midshipmen and veterans, um, are Christians themselves. They're being they're being persecuted for not being Christian enough. Of course, we represent all religious faiths and many atheists and agnostics and secularists and humanists. But the bottom line here is that the people we're fighting without drilling down into, into concepts known as uh, the Seven Mountains Mandate and uh, um, dispensationalism are people that want an, an America based upon fundamentalist Christianity, the way you see in certain uh, Arabic states or Middle Eastern states where you have... Uh, uh, Sunni or Shia um, uh, regimes that are focused. Yeah, last time I asked you what what these people want, you you asked me if I'd watched Handmaid's Tale. Uh, so for those people that have, that is sort of what you're talking about. Yeah, if you haven't seen it yet or read the Mar the Margaret uh, Atwater book, The Handmaid's Tale. Atwood, yeah, uh, and her her uh, most recent uh, uh, kind of sequel to the book. Um, it takes place in a uh, there's been a civil war in America. Most, the vast majority of America, except for a few little pockets in Hawaii, are part of a new country called Gilead. And uh, we actually had the producers uh, of that show reach out to us several years ago. Uh, they thanked us for our activism for trying to stop the dystopian future that they're showing, but they wanted some background material for a certain episodes that would focus on the military or whatever. But uh, Gilead is, is, is a concept that is uh, it's a country, a fictionalized country that we're not that far away from that is focused on, again, a fundamentalist Christian theocracy uh, based upon um, the, a very simple concept that, you know, that, you know, I can tell you again, that uh, if you don't accept Jesus Christ, uh, Jesus will make sure that you have a miserable life now. Uh, but once you die, the misery you're facing now will be nothing compared to the fact that you'll be set aflame for eternity for not following his gospel. I was at lunch right before we, we, um, we did this uh, interview today when I had a person on the phone screaming at me, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. Again, you can go to your Bible, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8, where God makes it clear that, um, uh, there's, you know, that if you don't accept God or follow the the gospel of Jesus Christ, his son, who's also God, or whatever you want, the same thing, the tripartite God, you're going to be set aflame forever. Uh, the um, A person sent me a, a letter the other day. Um, it was a, a three or four page thing talking about Mickey Mantle's last inning. And that's when he was on his deathbed in the summer of 1995, when he finally decided to accept Jesus Christ with Bobby Richardson, another former Yankee who is now, I guess, the pastor, came to his bedside and brought him to Christ. Uh, and made it clear, he quoted John 3.36 at the funeral for Mickey Mantle, where it says that those who believe in Christ um, will have eternal life, 
Those who don't will have the wrath of God on them forever. It's very, well, it's digital, one and zero. Why are we talking about this? This is Christian nationalism, the mothership of Islamophobia, transphobia, homophobia, anti-Semitism, misogyny. I can go on and on and on. And this is the engine that fuels what Trump is doing. We don't have time to sit down with the average person who has a, you know, most Americans today have a, uh, you know, a, 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 I guess, kind of a span of attention of three to four seconds. And that's just about it. If you're lucky, you know, you can't even put a video on that's one and a half minutes. That's too long anymore. The bottom line is, is that they want to make sure that you are right with Jesus Christ because Christ has created uh, this wonderful leader in the, in, the, in the person of Donald Trump. It doesn't matter if he burns German shepherd puppies every morning. It's fine because he's just like Silas in the Old Testament. God is using him like a hand through a, you know, um, into a, uh, into a hand puppet. And that's what we're dealing with. We can talk all day long about, about what Bannon did before the election or what Ted Cruz said a few hours after January 6th last year. And then he quickly recanted when Tucker Carlson put him on the show. He like the, like the coward that he is. He said, oh, no, no, I was stupid to say that this was a terror attack. You know, this was the real patriotism happened on January 6th. And the uh, the, the insurrection was the, the election, which the pr President Biden talked about the other day. Can, can I just interject something here? Because I, I know what I'm about to say. I'm pretty sure you agree with, but I think it does. It needs to be said. There's a large portion of people that would self-identify as evangelical Christians who believe in the, in, in the message of Jesus as one of forgiveness, of one of love, uh, love, love thy, thy enemy. Uh, it's a one of understanding and compassion. Um, these are not the people we're talking about. And, and I don't think that's the Jesus that these people are talking about accepting. If I had to list the top 25 human beings that I currently consider brothers and sisters, probably at least 17 or 18 would be Christians or evangelical Christians. We have evangelicals on our staff. They are clients of ours. They donate to us. Here's the difference. You just described what we call great commandment Christians. Their prime directive, if you follow Star Trek, is the Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew, where Jesus says, you know, that what you need to do, everybody, is love the Lord your God with your mind, soul, and heart. And then he pronounces the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated, which predates the uh, the uh, the Tanakh or the uh, the five books of Moses, the, the Jewish Bible, which all itself was predated by the Code of Hammurabi. So there's nothing new in that. But this is the great commandment. The people we're fighting are great commission Christians. Uh, that, that is something that uh, Jesus, uh, that is talked about in Mark 16, 15 and Matthew 28, 19. One of the last things, Paul, that Jesus is supposed to have said to his disciples, which is go and make disciples of all nations, nations, bring them in here. That's your commission. Those who view that as the prime directive, they're still not the enemy. If they believe that they can follow the Great Commission, irrespective of time, place and manner restrictions by our Constitution, it's construing federal case law and in the military where all the nukes are, the, uh, the directives, instructions and regulations of the Pentagon. Then it's like saying, I don't have to follow the rules about drinking or drugs or if I'm too tired when I drive a car. I can drive a car anytime I want to, irrespective of time, place, and manner restrictions. If we are dealing with Christians, and they, again, great commission Christians, the ones that they're not concerned about the, uh, the great commandment that I talked about. The great commission is going to get everybody to the nation, get them in. And I, I, there's none of your laws that, can, that are going to be able to, um, uh, uh, I'm unfettered when I want to do this. 
These are the Christians are the ones that are fueling Trump with money and enthusiasm and unbridled uh, desire to to rape and pillage. This uh, this is a rape and pillage. This is kind of the Christianity of the Crusades we're talking about. Kind of. It is. It's the Christianity of the Holocaust. It's the Christianity that you see in Uganda with regard to homosexuals. But as I said before, we have um, uh, the, the evangelical Christians that are that are. Um, on our staff that donate to us that are, you know, we have over 700 people that work here full-time, you know, the full-time part-time volunteers and paid. And these are wonderful people that would take a bullet for me and our staff of which they're members of some, in some cases, or I would take a bullet for them. They're not the problem. They're trying to fight this as well. But the problem is, is that the, it's not a problem issue or a challenge. It's a national security threat. I honestly believe, and I'm not alone in this field. I guarantee you that one of our advisory board members, one of my closest friends, Larry Wilkerson, who was chief of staff to a Republican? Yeah, well, my my viewers know. I, I interview Larry every couple of weeks, so our viewers know Larry. Larry will agree with me about this, and is far more sagacious about it. That we are about a micron away from civil war. We are in a death spiral. I don't know that we're going to pull out. It's not just that people can't talk to friends or family or neighbors anymore. It's the fact they're doing something else. And I wonder whether you or your your family have had this discussion. I know that we have, and that is um, when the time comes, if the midterms go the wrong way. And uh, if the, um, um, you know, the, the cowardly, ignorant uh, buffoon, entitled buffoon Trump comes back in again or before, it's time to leave. I mean, people are talking about, do we go to New Zealand? Do we go to Costa Rica? Do, what part of Canada do we go to? Do we go to Hawaii? Because even in, you know, uh, The Handmaid's Tale, Hawaii is, is still out there by its, on its own. People are actually having these discussions. I lost a lot of members of my family in the Holocaust. I could never understand two things. How could an advanced society a, a literate and scientifically oriented, mathematically oriented society like Germany allow a Hitler to come to where it was? Why didn't more of my relatives get out? Let's add to that. Maybe in four or five years, a Hitler comes to power. It, it's only a, a matter of a few years from the time there's uh, they first start marching in the streets to the 1932. Uh, it didn't take very long. Between that and Kristallnacht, it was almost you know in the um, uh, it was and, and the burnings of the buildings. It happened very, very quickly. I'm not being melodramatic. We've talked about this for a long time. But look, you, you can look at, we were dealing with a military. Well, now that's where I just want to just, you're heading where I want to go. But just to clearly, when people imagine what might be coming, they, they, they're thinking of people hunkered down in their houses with guns or, you know, going into the streets and all that. But that's not where the real problem is. Not that that isn't the problem. The real problem is the military. So go on. Yes. When you are having a problem getting every sailor, soldier, marine, or airman, or guardian, or coast guard, and of course, coast guard's not in DOD, they're, they're the Department of Homeland Security, to get a shot, to get a shot, we have to have federal judges stopping, you know, a, 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 what we view as a frivolous lawsuit by 35 Navy SEALs. Let me tell you a little, a little, little secret here at MRFF. Um, one of my close friends was a Navy SEAL uh, who was killed, uh, Glenn Doherty, at the attack uh, in Benghazi. Uh, he was one of the former Navy SEALs killed in that attack. He was a good friend and an advisory board, board member of MRFF. Do you know who replaced him? Took six months to convince him. And then he's been Larry Wilkerson. Larry replaced, uh, uh, you know, um, Glenn Doherty. Glenn is the one that told me, Mikey, the worst, I, uh, the, the worst quantity and quality of Christian nationalism, fundamentalist Christian nationalism in the military is right here with the Navy SEALs, with the Marine um, uh, Raiders, the Air Force parachute jumpers. Uh, with the Army Rangers, Delta, and the Green Berets. The closer you get to drawing blood at the point of the spear, the more you're going to see this 
this hideous, unconstitutional, um, uh, you're either with us or against us version of fundamentalist Christian nationalism. And we're seeing it right now. If, you, if you're going to have members of the military, we, we, we have, we've probably had five, five and a half hundred people come to us asking for us to defend them against the military. We've told every one of them without a blanket thing, we support the mandates, but what, what do you have for us? Let us look at, your medic, look at you medically. Some of these are big names. I can't give you their names. Some of them, um, let me look at your religious views. You know, they have a right to put their case together, but even so, it's stunning to see the kind of power a number of these people have. Let's also remember two names, two words. Charles Flynn commands the entire U.S. Army of the Pacific. He's the beloved brother of Michael Flynn, the convicted felon. And the, we still haven't determined how much uh, Charles Flynn is complicit with what Michael Flynn said. But just a few weeks ago, Michael Flynn, at, at, in that big rally in Dallas of all the, uh, you know, the Trump people, um, that were mostly maskless. A bunch of them are dying off. A pod, uh, in fact, a podcaster died today of the, from that uh, anti-vaxxer podcaster. Uh, Michael Flynn made it clear that we should have one religion in America and it should be Christianity. This is the former head of the Defense Intelligence Agency. We only have 16 other intelligence agencies. We have a lot of clients, not just DOD. We have clients at the VA and clients and, and, all, and all, the, all 17 of these, the, uh, most of the 17 of the, of the intelligence agencies. So we demanded that Michael, uh, that Charles Flynn condemn what his brother said. We went, we have, that story went viral, went everywhere. So when I say it again, remember the military in, in, in the- And I'm assuming he didn't. Uh, he didn't say anything, no. We don't, and we still don't know how complicit he was in what happened on January 6th. Is there any, is there any evidence that Charles Flynn is involved in Christian nationalism? We've been told many, many times. Uh, that is just like with Mike Pompeo when he ran the CIA and, uh, over at state. But people are afraid to come forward. We provide our clients at MRFF AARP, and not the thing you're thinking about, but anonymity, action, results, and protection. We will never give up a client's name unless they want us to put it out there. People are afraid of becoming, what we, you've probably heard me say it before, a tarantula on a wedding cake by speaking up. We've both been to weddings, Paul. How long do you think, what's the half-life of a tarantula on a wedding cake? So we are built to take the, uh, you know, the abuse. When we came out with, uh, with this Wreaths Across America thing in early December, uh, Fox News decided to make us their number one story nationally and internationally for six hours. The threats were coming in about two and a half to four and a half seconds around the clock. And tell people what that Reese's Across America was. This is an organization that is very, very sketchy. Uh, they claim to be a uh, 501c3 um, and you donate to them and they'll put a wreath on, pre on pretty much every grave they can possibly get a hand on. Although they claim they won't put them on graves and, and veteran cemeteries uh, if there's a Star of David, which is bullshit. Um, and uh, they buy their wreaths from another company that they own. It's a for-profit company. So they make a tremendous shitload amount of money out of this. But irrespective of that, they have the support of everybody in Congress, uh, 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 private sector companies like Jersey Mike's gave them half a million dollars. And the idea is they put a Christmas wreath on every grave. My dad is in a VA cemetery. He, he, he died a little over four years ago. I've already had a crucifix put on there. Uh, I understand I'm a public figure and they could try to track his grave down. And I get it. In this instance, uh, we demanded that they uh, uh, that it's fine to put a wreath on a grave if a family, even a Jewish family, wants it. But the burden shouldn't be on the the veterans' family, like my family, to have to go call the VA saying don't put them anything on there. It shouldn't be an opt out situation; it should be opt in. Right. So because of this, Fox News, of course, and the entire right wing um, uh, echo sphere went crazy. And uh, what I'll do is I'm going to email you um, a copy of just one of. I'd like to play it now. I don't know if it'll pick up. I want your audience to listen to this. This went to our local law enforcement and they sent it right to the FBI. So just bear with me for a second because this is the America that we have today. 
And this individual was stupid enough, unlike the hundreds of others that we got, not only to give his name, but to spell it for anybody. We're going to deport or we're going to fucking exile every one of you disloyal motherfuckers that are loyal to a sandbox in the Middle East. No motherfucker who has no unilateral loyalty to the United States will be permitted to vote, hold a security clearance. Every motherfucking Jew came to my country to be more fucking selfish. None of you fuckers are compatible with a democratic form of government which is based on Christianity, not your fucking shit Jew beliefs. And on top of that, you motherfuckers, you promote anti-Semitism on Christians when Christians are by spirit fucking Semites because you're a racist fucking cunt because you think you're the fucking chosen one, you're the most discriminatory motherfucking uh, demographic on the fucking planet. And every one of you motherfuckers that supported Obama, I'm going to have you fucking convicted and fucking executed in your body disposal at sea. And you, Mikey, are completely fucked for the rest of your fucking Jew life, you disloyal fucking cunt. As I said before, these were coming in somewhere between two and a half to four to five seconds, you know, just around the clock. The emails, the texts, everything else, we had to have around the clock protection. We have a lot of security at the house. Uh, uh, I'm not going to go into all the different kinds of security functions we have. But the point is, is that most people in the military, including DOD civilians in the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps, and Space Force, are terrified to stand up. But we're, they're having enough trouble in the military getting someone to take a shot. What if, if they say, bomb that hill, you know, um, um, you know, attack that, uh, that, that hut over there, or let's cross this line. What are they, like, yeah, I need to sit down and I really need to look at the science about this. I'm not really sure, you know, this, um, these, um, um, these vaccines are all made from uh, aborted babies. And I'm a devout uh, Catholic. I can't do it. I'm a devout Protestant. I'm a devout Jewish person. I'm a devout Muslim. You know, so we've had to sit here and we've told people over and over again that we will help you with arguments. You know, if you have a good argument, we've heard zero arguments. Well, there's a, there's a op, an op-ed in one of the defense magazines or newspapers today by General Dennis Leitch and Larry Wilkerson uh, essentially describing the unwillingness to get vaccinated or refusal as mass insubordination. And there's tens of thousands of soldiers involved in a mass insubordination. Not just soldiers, but of course, sailors, Marines, airmen, and guardians. We have this space force they're called guardians. Look, we have a separate military code that most of your viewers don't know about. It's not the regular American military code. It's called the UCMJ, the Uniform Code of Military Justice. I spent seven years as a judge advocate military lawyer, uh, you know, both as a prosecutor, defense attorney elsewhere, even when I was in the White House, I was a JAG for a while there. And I can tell you that the, uh, it's a, in the military, we, uh, the compelling governmental interest is to maximize what? Good order, morale, discipline, unit cohesion, mission accomplishment, and listen carefully, everybody in Paul J. Uh, land, um, the health and safety of the troops. It's not just my idea. It's a seminal 1974 opinion from the U.S. Supreme Court. It was a six to two decision. Somebody didn't vote for what reason. It is still good law. Parker versus Levy. The right wing likes to roll out the 1992, uh, I think it was a Religious Freedom Restoration Act saying that that somehow trumps, pun intended, uh, the uh, Supreme Court ruling. It doesn't. And so in the military, it's a felony to have sex with someone other than your family, uh, your, your wife, if you have, uh, or, your, or your, uh, your husband. Uh, if you have sex with someone other than your spouse, it obviously destroys good order, morale, discipline, and cohesion. That can be a felony. It can also be a felony if you're ordered to go to the base dentist at 1,600 hours to get a tooth out or four o'clock because that's a direct verbal order. Uh, this is not, this is uh, uh, refusing to get the shot. I can't, I, I'm trying to think of all the various different articles of the UCMJ that this violates. 
But there is a quote they made us memorize at the Academy from a West Point grad named Patton, which is, if you can't get them to cut their hair when you tell them to cut their hair or to shine their shoes, when you tell them to shine their shoes, how the hell can you get them to die for their country? We're saying get a shot. The science is there. This isn't, you know, with apologies to LeBron, it isn't a cold, it isn't flu, it's COVID. It's very, very, very serious. Uh, Only a tiny percentage of the people currently dying are in hospitals or on ventilators are people that are vaccinated. It's the unvaxxed that are out there. If you can't get a member, you know, a, a, a United States Navy SEAL or a United States Army Green Beret or a U.S. Air Force PJ or a U.S. Marine Corps um, Raider, these are all the special ops, special forces folks to, to take the shot. What can you expect them to do? But it is a litmus test. And you look at the military, our job is, um, it's quiz custodian, episodes custodos, you know, who, you know, which is who will guard you know, who's going to guard the guardians and the guardians of, of everything in this country is supposed to be the U.S. military to support our national security, to provide full constitutional rights, Paul, for everybody. So what we, we don't have, like I said, a problem. This is way, way beyond that. To say nothing of the infiltration in the police departments, you know that, public school boards. And so we're, we're heading pell-mell very, very quickly. OK, well, let's let's go back to my original. Let's go back to my original question. Um the, the uh, uh, attempted coup, as described, as I said, by the Financial Times and now G- General Milley and go on, there obviously was a serious threat, um, but it's not been very well described why they thought so exactly. Is there any evidence, one, that this was more Christian nationalist, and two, um, last time we interviewed, uh, you said you thought as much as the third of the military could be have been recruited and including at senior levels. Now people were astounded at that number, my viewers. So so how do you get to that number? And 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 what more do we know about the like we just talked about Flynn? Uh, but what more do we know about this? Our best estimate here at the Military Religious Freedom Foundation, we're the only organization that focuses with laser-like precision, laser-like precision on the military, is that we've got somewhere, and we talked about it last night between 28 and 34, maybe 35% of the military that would qualify as Christian nationalists. In that, their belief is, is that they can propagate uh, um, the Great Commission, which, again, Mark, Mark 16, 15, Matthew 28, 19, Jesus saying, get everybody in, that's your prime directive, not you know, love the Lord your God and the golden rule, get everybody in. How do you get to that number though, 25, 30%? Just through our experience, we've been doing this for the better part of 20 years. And we see it everywhere. So, you know, you start just like if you ask a, a dentist, oh, what, what is it like when you do a root canal? If you get someone right out of dental school, there'll be a small sample. But we've been doing, it's the law of big numbers. I know the names of the literati of people that you interview. You're an excellent interviewer. I'm not buttering you up, but you probably weren't this good when you started years ago. But it, it's the experience of doing it over and over again. I had to have some emergency surgery a week ago. And the, I asked the surgeon who was about to do the procedure, how many times have you done this? He said, I started when I was 25 years old. I'm 57 now. So I've been doing this for 22 years. I've done it a few thousand times. So when people look at us, when I tell you that we've got over 77,000 hamburgers served here, if we were McDonald's, clients that we're helping and that we've helped all the way through, you start seeing where the trends are. Uh, we believe that about 84% of the military chaplaincy are evangelicals. That, you know, that again means that they follow the great commission, not the great commandment. About a third of those roughly a third of the chaplains would be considered Christian nationalists. 
And whether there's a direct relationship or not, but I'm just telling you, we are subject matter experts. I've been hired by the Pentagon before to, to, give, to give my expertise. And uh, when they were trying to put together a spiritual fitness test, you know, which of course would be a violation of clause three, article six of the constitution, which states quite clearly, we will never have a religious test for any position in the federal government. I kept telling them that. And I said, you can, you can go put lipstick on a pig and call it something else. But the bottom line is now, the reason Millie was terrified is you see that he reports to someone called the commander in chief, and that is Donald Trump. I believe that Donald Trump is mentally ill. I believe that he is the same, exactly the same he is now as he was when he was two or three. Not just petulant, mentally ill. He's a complete coward. He's not. A, he's a. He's a, a very stupid man. But he's been enabled his entire life. Uh, the problem is in the Daisy Chain. I think we might have talked about it. Goes like this: You stop teaching civics in high school. And my sophomore uh, civics teacher was a retired lawyer named Mr. Gerard. It was a rite of passage. Poor education breeds ignorance, which gives rise to fear, which catalyzes hate, which gives birth to bigotry and prejudice which leads to blood in the streets. We are, we are already seeing blood in the streets. I'm not trying to be a naysayer. I'm just trying to say that if we're going to save this, this, uh, this country, and this means that progressives, you get them, if you want to coordinate progressives, you, you know, you want, uh, uh, conservatives, you get them in a room together and they work like hand in glove, like the Christian nationalism, uh, nationalists handling Trump and his folks. You get a bunch of progressives in a room together and they'll try to peck each other's eyes out with a pencil. They do, I mean, I love Michelle Obama. But when she says, when they go low, we go high. No, Michelle, no. When they go low, we have to go low to fight them there. Otherwise, we're going to lose. I couldn't believe that I lived long enough the other day, maybe you saw it, where Karl Rove was calling out Trump and his people. Karl Rove, who's barely a homo sapien. He, I mean, it's like. Well, I, well, I did a piece. Uh, in fact, it was an interview with Larry. And I, I wrote the headline is the, uh, the fight between the hard right and the far right. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's, you know, it's um, when, when you have Karl Rove scared. Well, because Karl Rove's loyalty is to corporate America mainstream and, and mainstream corporate America doesn't like the, the disruption this is all causing. And, and you know the reason why. Let's go back to Larry, who's one of the smartest guys I've ever met in my life. Um, Larry taught me that uh, this, this particular word which sounds a phrase, which sounds alliterative, just two words. You know, you know it's, it's predatory capitalism. You know, in this country, we have predatory capitalism. Capitalism is fine. I'm not gonna talk about socialism versus capitalism, but when it becomes predatory, when it's the dollar above everything else in the world, and we've seen it, we have people afraid to speak up in the military because they're a year, a week, a month, a day away from retirement. They want, they gotta get, they've got to be able to get that, you know, that, uh, um, that paycheck at the end. They need to get the pension. I understand that. You know, but the bottom line is the way that we were made, whether it was by Jesus, Allah, or by the cosmos, our bodies need liquids every every few minutes. We need solid food. We need to be protected from the cold of the weather uh, and the heat of the weather. We need companionship. We have all kinds of psychological needs. To get this, we need money. And how we get money, how we get money is, is all about, you know, um, the structure of a, of a state and a structure of a social and societal um, um, regimen. And in this country, we have, as, as Larry will tell you, not just here alone, but particularly in America, we have predatory capitalism. We're facing a tremendous onslaught from Russia and China. India is out there. I understand all these forces, but the one thing we have is a constitution. We have this amazing experiment that began, as Biden said, with very, very flawed white guys who put this document together. But the most important thing they did is that they cleaved a Grand Canyon 
between temporal and spiritual, between church and state. They'd seen the history of Europe where men, men in political power, men of the cloth had, uh, uh, had been men in political power and the savagery that had happened there. They looked at Cromwell in England. They looked at the, Sab the Salem witch trials and they said, not here. We are not going to have this be a, uh, um, a religious republic or particularly uh, if you look at the Treaty of Tripoli, they made it very clear there. Um, that was unanimous, um, uh, unanimously uh, uh, ratified by the US Senate, started with Washington and I think I guess it was Adams that pushed it all the way through. We are not a Christian nation. But we're dealing with a lot of Americans who believe that, that if you take Jesus out of the country or out of the classroom or out of the school board or the cops, sewage workers, fire department, and particularly out of the Marine Corps, Navy, Army, Air Force, and Space Force, then you are dooming this country. And if you support that, we want you dead. The, the, the audio that, that I just sent to you, the person says, any of you Jews, and I did all the other words, who voted for Obama, I will see you convicted, executed, and we will, we will dispose of your bodies at sea. Uh, on a scale of one to 10 of the stuff we get, that was probably about a six. You know, the rest of it, you know, it, um, I, my wife's written two books with our California publisher about this. But my point is, is that this, it, we are living in the belly of the beast here at MRFF. We see it. I can see where it's going. And I'm not the only one. Larry's part, one of our most active advisory board members. He sees it too. Well, what, what, a, what, a, so let's, let's talk about what can be done. Now, uh, Defense Secretary Austin, he's supposedly looking at, extremism in the military. Um, the thing is, is not, not only him, even this article, uh, there's another article by this uh, Admiral Stiverdos who has appeared in Time magazine a couple of weeks after the one about January uh, 6th. I should say it was even on January 4th. But he talks about extremism in the military. But they don't want to talk about religious extremism. They, they talk about Nazis and this and that. And I asked Larry, why don't they want to talk about it? And he says, well, one of the reasons is the, the parts of the country that are, have the strongest uh, Christian nationalism is also the main place they recruit volunteer soldiers. Yes. And this all comes back again to, um, we hired uh, an expensive lobbyist years ago at MRFF, a very significant lobbyist. Uh, to her credit, after a year, she fired herself. She said, Mikey, it doesn't matter if I talk to Republicans or Democrats about you. They are terrified that if they get connected with anything that looks like they're trying to limit the love of Jesus, they're going to lose, you know, they're going to lose Christian votes and lose Christian money. And so they won't touch it. And so we've taught, we made it clear over and over again. I put an op-ed about, out about this, that again, the mothership, the mothership is fundamentalist Christian nationalism. And out of that comes white, you know, white supremacy, misogyny, uh, uh, Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, hatred of the constitution, um, transphobia, all of that. But the mothership is this concept of white, straight, Christian, male power. Okay, so, but what, what should be done? Okay. But first of all, let me, let me say, you know, in, in, what should the federal and state governments that haven't been captured by uh, far-right Republicans, uh, what should they be doing? And then what should people like us, what should ordinary people be doing? Let me give you a, a quick anecdote. Um, um, oh, who's the guy that... Uh, Suddenly forgot his name. The creator of All in the Family. Um, he's like 96. Norman Lear. Norman Lear invited me out to meet with him a couple of times in Hollywood at his Act Three Productions place. He turned out to be a good donor. And he um, he asked me the first time I was there, he goes, What did you think of Archie Bunker? And I said, Well, I you know, thought he was a bigot and a prejudice, you know, he was a racist. He said, Yeah, that wasn't really what I was going for. And I said, Really? He goes, Yeah. He said, I wanted America just to know that Archie was just somebody who was afraid of change. And I think ultimately, 
again, when you've been able to have all the toys to yourself because you're white, straight, Christian, and male for centuries, suddenly the fact that you can't have that all to, your, to yourself terrifies you. And to even express that you want to keep your toys to yourself was something that was so horrible that when Trump came out, people sensed, hey, I don't have to apologize for myself anywhere anymore. The, the, the president is saying this. What do we need to do? It's very simple. We need people to be court-martialed. We need them to lose their liberty and to go behind bars for what they're doing in the military. That's what needs to happen. I'm disappointed that right now, and I'm sure Larry would agree with me, that people that are refusing to get the shot are simply being administratively chaptered out. Uh, I think most of them are getting a general discharge under honorable conditions. What the hell's honorable about that? They should be court-martialed. I, I said it before, the, uh, the, the Romans had it right. When you cut somebody's head and stick it on a, on a pole, people look at that. Well, we're not talking about decapitating people. But we're saying if at this point, people need to be punished. You have violated the, the most basic aspect of the military, which you've been given an order. You know, the head of the National Guard in Oklahoma is fighting uh, the, the demand from the Pentagon that uh, the Oklahoma National Guardsmen get their vaccination. That's what they're doing. Don't look up. Don't get that back. If you get the vaccination, you're admitting that COVID exists. And if you admit that COVID exists, you're buying into these left-wingers like MRFF and Weinstein and all the others, Paul Jay, um, they only invented this to get our, our Lord and Savior, Donald Trump, um, uh, out of the White House. And then, of course, they, they, uh, they stole the election because we have all of these lawsuits and all of these recounts that clearly support us. Well, the, the irony of all this, this is where I don't get within its own world the irrationality of this. Trump was bragging about how quickly he got vaccinations produced. That was his big claim to fame. It's impossible to use reasonableness or rationality. I defy any of your listeners or viewers to tell me they haven't lost a friendship or a family member over this, because I certainly have, and everybody I know have, have, have lost a family member or a neighbor or a friendship over this. I had a guy that I was friends with, friends with for decades, uh, who I can barely stomach looking at. I'm sure he feels the same way about me. Uh, he's a white, straight Christian male, you know, and not all are. I mean, there are plenty of people of, there are people of color, there are women of, of you know, look at, look at uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert. Um, but in the main, we're dealing with something that you cannot, you, you, it's, we're, we're past the point of being able to try to. Uh, let, me, let me interject something sort of like what I did earlier. There are people that don't agree with getting vaccinated who are not Christian nationalists. <clears throat> and I, you know, and people, if they look around, they can see who they are. Now, I don't agree with them, but not all anti-vaxxers are, and, and I would assume not all evangelicals are anti-vaxxers either but a lot of them are. Remember, you got to be careful. Evangelicals. But do you, do you think, but is anti-vax a tenant of the Christian nationalists? Yeah, oh, absolutely it is. There's just no way you can argue that it isn't. You know, as I said before, if I'm a subject matter expert, it's because we see it around the clock, around the clock. You know, my workday starts generally at seven in the morning and ends at 10 at night every day. That's 15 hours a day. Fox News blew that up saying it's impossible. That's about, no, it's not impossible. Ask anyone who knows me, ask my wife or whatever. That's the way it goes. And oftentimes it's, it's more, it's going to be more today, I guarantee you. Okay, let me ask another question. Uh, something like 74, 75 million people voted for Trump. Not all of them are Christian nationalists. In fact, a significant number of them had previously voted for Obama, which is an interesting stratum of that vote, Trump vote. Right. Do you have any idea what percentage of that vote is Christian nationalist? You know, you can you can talk to a large number of analysts about this and you're going to get a, a variety, a variety of different answers. What I can tell you is that Christian, uh, if, if um, 
and there's a logic diagram you can put up here. If you're a Christian nationalist, the chances that you voted for anyone other than Trump are, they're not, it's something north of zero, but not much further than zero if you're a Christian nationalist. Of course, as I told you, there are plenty of people, African-Americans, there are Native Americans, there are Hispanic Americans, there are gay Americans, there are many Jewish Americans, atheist Americans that all voted for Trump. They're not all Christian nationalists, but in the main, as the articles that came out in the last 48 hours clearly make it, you know, make it, the fuel of the engine are not those people. The fuel that actuates this hatred, this prejudice, this discrimination, this lust and greed for power, that is, uh, as, as the president said yesterday, I must get ahead by pushing you down, is Christian nationalism. Uh, that, uh, Sarah Palin represented a good example of this, the idea that we want a Christian nation. Uh, I wish you could see my mail for one day. The, uh, the voicemail that I sent you, which you can certainly use, uh, you know, that came to us on December 14th. The only reason was, you know, is that I didn't answer that call. The guy left the entire voicemail there. That's a very good example. The chances of that person not being a Christian nationalist, again, not zero, but probably not much further than that. But even okay. so, this it, it actuates it. It's the it's the primary fuel. You can, you know, let me just say it to you this way. You can eat your Wheaties in the morning with warm water. It's better with milk. And the milk, the mother's milk for uh, the bigotry and hatred and the evil of, uh, of Trump and his followers is Christian nationalism. Are you able now or will you be able to actually name relatively senior people in the armed forces that are Christian nationalists? Well, we're always asked that. Part of the problem, the answer is, is it's unclear. We've done that in the past. I mean, people like... Um, um, or who was the guy that was at Blackhawk Down? I can't remember his name now. Long list of people that um, that um, um, uh, that are now out. Some that are in. Uh, we've already looked at Charles Flynn. I mean, he is he commands the entire U.S. Army for the for, for the Pacific. We have to be careful about outing them with sp uh, specific evidence because some of that evidence could only come from staffers, and there's a limited number of those uh, that you could you could point to. Unless we have the approval of our clients that are giving us the evidence, we can't do it. And too often they'll they'll be in the immediate area of you know collateral damage, but it's just not that hard when uh, when you have a commander that uh, uh, decides that uh, they want to make it clear that you have a Merry Christmas sign out in front of their base. It may seem like a small thing, but that 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 belongs on the chapel grounds. Can you imagine if it said uh, you know Merry Kwanzaa or Happy Eyed or whatever? If it, if it pushed a uh, uh, an Islamic uh, you know concept, or if there was um, a POW MIA table that only had the Quran on it, their people's throats would be cut. We're already suing the VA because of, and, and we fight it all the time because they put Christian Bibles on POW MIA tables. The answer to your question is we've already given many, many names to people in the past, but they won't do anything. But we're, what we're looking for now, that's why we're saying the vaccine, vaccination situation is easy. Of course, not everyone that is anti-vax is a fundamentalist Christian nationalist. Aaron Rodgers is anti-vax. He is no way, shape, or form a fundamentalist Christian nationalist. I think there's some integrity problems with, with the uh, the quibbling lies that he told the media, but that's a good example. But as I said before, yes, you can put soy sauce, you can put Kool-Aid, and you can put water on your Wheaties, but what goes best with it? Milk, whole milk. Okay, let's go. So what do you see? Why do you use this phrase at the very beginning? We're a micron away from civil war. Like, we only have a few minutes left, but how does this play out? And why do you think we're so close? When you look at um, um, in the past, uh, whether it was Pearl Harbor or it was the, uh, what was the uh, the Spanish-American War, that the ship that was set on fire um, in Cuba begins with an A, I forget the name of it now. Um, and, um, or remember the Alamo or certainly the Gulf of Tonkin incident in Vietnam. 
one incident away is how I view it at this point. You know, if you, uh, my father used to have a hobby flying uh, radio controlled airplanes. The concept when you flew those were stay three mistakes high so that you can, three mistakes, you can save the plane, not, not crash your, your, your uh, you know, your radio controlled uh, airplane model. I think we're one incident away from it right now, sparking it. One incident away. I speak to you as a subject matter expert. I don't know what would that would look like. There's probably a plethora of things we could talk about, but I think we're one incident away. Well, what, what, is, what is away from what? What does it look like? Blood in the streets. Blood in the streets. People taking their, their, their guns, people taking their knives, people closing the doors. Um, Tulsa, and whatever it was when Tulsa had the race riots, which most of us weren't even taught about. Um, I think it's, uh, I think about it every day. Have you not actually personally you heard people talking about if it's time to get out of this country, where do we go? I have no intention of ever leaving. Oh, because I'm right now in Canada, everybody I talk to says, when, where, when can I come to Canada? Although I have to say to the Canadians listening to this, uh, when Trump just barely touched the, the uh, Canadian trade going into the United States, uh, it caused hysteria in Canada. So if Canadians think they're going to be exempt from this, uh, they're in for a big surprise because the uh, if you had this kind of government in the U.S., they're just going to use access to the American market to overthrow any Canadian government that doesn't at the very least comply in some way. No, uh, Trump, uh, in his demented, ignorant, cowardly mind, views Canada as the 51st state. It's as simple as that. There's, there's no, there's no, uh, uh, you know, sanct, uh, sanctuary there. I mean, if you want to go to New Zealand, you, I mean, the bottom line is, you know, that is that you have to stand and fight here. In my opinion, um, I don't know exactly how bad it's going to be, but since you know, um, we've had the windows shot out of our house twice. We've had, in, I've mentioned, innocent animals beheaded and disemboweled and left on the front of our. We've had swastikas on our house. Now, now that's me as a public figure, civil rights activist. To answer your question, 45 seconds ago, I think it, it, it'll be like that for everybody. And we can't let it happen. We have got to stop it. And that means that when they go low, Michelle Obama, whom I respect, we need to go low also to fight them on whatever plane they're in. Because their playbook uh, realizes that it, that we, have, uh, we those on the other side, appear to be weak, appear, appear to have a lack of resolve, that if you get punched in the nose and you suddenly see blood, you're going to run. That's what they depend on. Now, their, their mother's milk, again, is their weaponized version of the gospel of Jesus Christ, their view of one and zero. You're either with us or against us, which by the way, there's also a statement in there, I think attributed to Jesus in the New Testament. Those who are not with me are against me. I wanna make it clear that about 84% of our staff are Christians, half my own family is Christian, 95% of our 77,000 plus clients are Christian, and a bunch of our allies are Christians. They're wonderful people, and they've been with us every step of the way. However, they are not fundamentalist Christian nationalists. That is the enemy. That is the engine. That is the gasoline for that for that um, actuation of trying to bring about a uh, a fundamentalist Christian Gilead uh, in accordance with the Handmaid's Tale. This this section of the society that's Christian nationalist it's not new. Um, it was recruited. Uh, I was you know we were talking off camera before, but that kind of alliance with the Republican Party really got energized during Reagan's time. He, you know, very deliberately went out and made these kinds of alliances. I was in the White House during that time, yeah. But they, but they were relatively still marginal in terms of the effect on the whole society. Um, and some people critique the Democratic Party, they get called the corporate Democrats, that they so ignored rural America and so ignored 
that people's lives simply didn't get better when the Democratic Party recently, certainly since Clinton, their lives didn't get better. And, and this helped create the conditions for this to grow. Do you, do you agree with that? You know, um, I, I, it's a very good question. I think it can also be applied to the Republican Party. No, no doubt, no doubt. But, but the, in, th in theory, the Democratic Party are supposed to stand not for big business and all that. But of course, it was the Republican Party of Lincoln that got rid of slavery, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So the bottom line, as I said before, is that we have these corporeal forms that need sustenance, liquid and solid sustenance, and we need social support. We need protections from the elements. Honestly, we do on an actual minute by minute basis. And so uh, when you look at Maslow's hierarchy, who's going to help me get my social security? Who's going to make sure I have a job? Who's going to make sure that I, my children can be educated and that if something bad happens, I can call the police and I can trust the police? I mean, we could do a whole show just on the infiltration of Christian nationalism in police departments. We had threats coming to us from, uh, from, from on-duty police officers in their uniforms a few years ago. And so, uh, I mean, I was about to speak at a Christian university a couple of years ago uh, when my security team went up there a week ahead of time to plan out our security, when the next day I got a threat from a member of that university's security team that was in this thing. You know, so what, what I'm trying to say is that um, I'm not going to place generalized blame on uh, one party or another. There are wonderful people that, uh, but I can tell you that the Reagan that I knew in the White House and the people that uh, I'm still very close with, with my colleagues there, uh, I don't know a single one of them that supports what, is, what Trump has done. But I can tell you that I saw this coming even when Reagan was there. But I, would, I want to believe that Reagan and, uh, and his wife, Nancy, uh, would be beyond appalled by what they're seeing right now. But in many respects, I believe they let the door wide open for it. Uh, Oliver North was a good example of someone that, that supports this type of, I don't care what he would say in response to this, you know, supports this type of Christian nationalism. And it's, it's everywhere. Uh, and um, it's omnipresent now. And they are very carefully directing this. Uh, it is fueling uh, the gerrymandering in the districts, the voters' rights uh, changes that you're seeing, uh, that in an attempt to uh, take over, you know, uh, hope, hope certainly the Senate, if not the House, in, uh, in what, another eight or nine or 10 months, and to set the stage for what's going to happen in, in 2024. What we hear at MRFF over and over again is, we're going to come get you after the, uh, after the midterms, and by the time Trump comes back again, you know, there'll be, this time we're not going to be dicking around. We're going to have the gallows out. We're going to execute. We're going to execute people over and over again. Listen carefully to the voicemail I'm going to send you. We did put that out to people. A lot of people were, you know, were, were, uh, were shocked by it. But um, Ilan Omar played one of the, the, the voicemails she got after she was attacked by um, Lauren Boebert. Come, and I'm not going to say which is worse. Listen to hers and then listen to what ours, what ours was. And remember, that's representative of hundreds or thousands of others that have come in. But Americans can still do something. They have to vote. They have to keep their mind open. But at this point, it's, it's like I said, I don't know what you can do with all the arguments being made. Uh, you have uh, one group of, of Americans being informed by One American News Now and Newsmax and Breitbart and Fox and the rest of these, these uh, hideous news organizations that aren't. And they, they, they all believe that, you know, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, you know, um, um, uh, CNN are all on the far left. The truth is, is that that's just not the, this is not true. And you can argue all day long that if you put your hand over an open flame and a candle, that your hand won't burn. But that's like, don't look up because it's going to burn. We don't want our democracy to burn. And it's just like what Benjamin Franklin said at the end of the Constitutional Convention, right? He was the, the rock star of his day. When they walked out, he was being surrounded by, by Americans, uh, American colonists, others saying, you know, Dr. Franklin, Dr. Franklin, what type of government have you bequeathed to us? And he said, a republic, right? If you can keep it. That's what he said, a republic, if you can keep it. 
please, everybody, help us keep our Constitution and our Republic. Thank you, Paul, for this opportunity today. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. All right. Great. And thank you for joining us on the analysis.news. Please don't forget, again, there's a donate button, share, subscribe, get on our email list, and we'll see you again soon.